We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show, the B.C. Day edition of The Jazz Show. My name is Gavin Walker, and we're here for the next three hours plus with some of the best in jazz music. And we'd like to um, begin, we usually begin with our jazz feature. And last week, of course, we had the heat wave, and I played... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald's um, great version of uh, It's Too Darn Hot. Well, we don't have quite the heat wave that we experienced here in Vancouver, um, but we do have a week or more of incredibly beautiful sunny weather. And it may be, it may get a little warm for some people, but it, it's not really. I guess technically a heat wave, but um, there's going to be some nice weather. And so I think we're going to open the show with a little uh, vignette here with the great Dizzy Gillespie playing the trumpet and doing the his inimitable vocal backed up by the two Sonnies, two of the greatest of all tenor saxophonists, Sonny Rollins, and Sonny Stitt on piano, Mr. Ray Bryant and his brother Tommy on bass, and Charlie Persip on drums. And here's Dizzy Gillespie to do his inimitable version of Jimmy McHugh and Dorothy Field's great tune, On the Sunny Side of the Street. Thank you. 
else left us, we gone by and by. Just direct your feet. You'll meet on the sunny side of the street. Can't you hear the pitter and the patter of the raindrops trickling down your fire escape and ladder? Life could be so fine, fine as wine. I used to walk, walk in the shade with my blues on parade. But I'm not afraid. Dizzy Gillespie and company. The first saxophone solo was by Sonny Stitt. And uh, then uh, Dizzy soloed. And then that was followed by Sonny Rollins. So it's Dizzy and the two Sonnies with Ray Bryant at the piano, brother Tommy on bass, and Charlie Persip on drums. And, of course, Dizzy doing his inimitable vocal on uh, that particular tune. And, of course, playing magnificent trumpet on the sunny side of the street. That's good advice. And uh, we hope that you take it because it's going to be sunny uh, as far as the weather forecast is all week. So it should be quite delightful. All right. We're going to get down to some business here um, and our jazz feature. And it's something very special. This month, the month of August... We're going to be featuring rare recordings, recordings that uh, may have escaped um, some, some people's radar, um, just hard-to-find recordings, recordings that were once in print and they may not be, although a lot of stuff is, is available. If you really look for it on, on the Internet, you can find sometimes um, really rare stuff, but... Um, these recordings that I picked out for this month, uh, for the jazz features this month, are uh, rather obscure items, uh, undeservedly so, or undeserved, <laughs> undeservedly so, um, and also by artists that, um, not necessarily lesser known artists, in some cases yes, in some cases no, but rare recordings nonetheless. The album we're featuring tonight is called The Warm Sound, and it features one of my all-time favorite trumpet players, Johnny Coles. Johnny Coles was born in New Jersey but raised in Philadelphia. And, of course, he, uh, he paid his uh, dues. He was known as Little Johnny C because he was a small man, and, um, but a powerful voice on trumpet. He had his own sound. Some people said, well, he kind of reminds me of Miles Davis. Uh, in a way, um, there is that um, uh, kind of similarity because Johnny Coles, when he plays, thinks about what he's going to play. 
and 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 there's a certain intensity in in his marvelous playing too. He doesn't just play a whole bunch of licks and fancy stuff. He plays music, and of course that's exactly what Miles Davis did. And and Johnny was not. Um, an athlete on the trumpet, you know, playing high notes and, and fast and all this kind of stuff, which is usually, in, in most cases, unmusical, unless you're Dizzy Gillespie or somebody of that caliber. Johnny Coles, indeed, had a warm sound. It was a beautiful sound, and it was, there was always a touch of melancholy in, in his sound. And uh, just... Uh, became one of my very, very favorite musicians. I really wasn't aware of Johnny Coles until I heard the very famous Gil Evans recording that came out in the early 60s uh, called Out of the Cool. And in that orchestra was Johnny Coles, and he took some trumpet solos on there, which to me are the highlights of that incredible recording. And uh, that's what turned me on to Johnny Coles. And I found out he, of course, as most musicians had, had a very long history um, in jazz and, and R&B music. Johnny worked with a whole bunch of R&B artists um, in the early part of his career. Bull Moose Jackson. He, he toured with uh, Amos Milburn. Um, he also worked with, uh, for many years with Earl Bostick's band, which was... Uh, a good band, but it was also, you know, straddling between jazz and R&B. Uh, Bostick knew where the money was, and, and uh, of course, he was a, such a great player and always put together a great band. Then Johnny moved to James Moody's little band and uh, played with James Moody for a number of years and then, of course, um, began his association with Gil Evans, and, of course, that's how that recording came about. And I think Johnny was really put on the map by, by that recording because um, during that time he recorded the album we're going to hear this evening, which is one of his most personal albums. Um, and it was his very first album under his own name. And it came out on a Columbia subsidiary label called Epic Records. And Epic Records was um, kind of a sidebar of Columbia, but they were smart enough to hire a producer by the name of Mike Berniker, who was very, very aware of um, all the musicians that were around in New York City and uh, was very dedicated and um, very smart and, and dealt with the musicians in a very fair and equitable way and made a whole bunch of marvelous recordings for Epic Records. Some became very well-known, and others like this one um, were somehow put to one side. And unfortunately for Johnny Coles, this was his uh, very first album under his own name, as I mentioned before. Johnny, of course, uh, after this, uh, freelanced a lot. He uh, was part of... uh, that legendary Charles Mingus band that went to Europe. And then in later years, Johnny ended up playing with uh, uh, Count Basie's band for many years. Um, He also recorded uh, and played with Herbie Hancock's band in the late 60s um, and and did a whole bunch of other things as well and uh, uh, eventually passed away, sad to say. 
However, this album stands, and it's a, a beautiful one, and it's a quartet date. Johnny is out front on trumpet with the basic personnel here is Kenny Drew on piano, the wonderful New York pianist. On bass, John Peck Morrison, and a marvelous bass player. And on drums, uh, the drummer you heard on the Dizzy Gillespie recording, Charlie Persep. We're going to hear some marvelous performances uh, by Johnny. And the final two, um, there's a fair amount of Randy Weston tunes. And Randy Weston, the great uh, pianist composer, was in the studio when this was being recorded because Johnny uh, brought him in to supervise um, the playing of some of his compositions. And, of course, toward the end of the recording session, Randy asked if he could um, exchange places with Kenny Drew and play piano on a couple of pieces, which he did. So those are the final two pieces, um, and Randy Weston will take Kenny Drew's place at the piano. So I'll give you the lineup here. All of this was recorded in April of 1961 in New York City. So we open... We're going to play all the tracks with Kenny Drew first, and we open with a Johnny Cole's composition. It's kind of a declarative thing. It's an up-tempo uh, piece of music, and it's called Room 3. And then we're going to follow that with a great standard tune written by Harold Arlen and Johnny Mercer called Come Rain or Come Shine. Then the, uh, the first of the Randy Weston originals, and it's a very famous tune by Randy, called High Fly. Then a beautiful, mysterious ballad written by Randy. It's called Pretty Strange. And then a, another great standard tune, If I Should Lose You, one of my favorite standards, written by Robin and Ranger. Then there's a switcheroo on the, uh, the piano players. Uh, Randy takes uh, over from Kenny Drew on piano, and we return to another beautiful Randy Weston composition called Where. And the final tune is a delightful, very typical Randy Weston composition called Babe's Blues. And that concludes this recording session. So, without further ado, this wonderful trumpet player, Johnny Coles, in his most personal recording, which, as I said before, was issued on Epic Records, and the title of the album was called The Warm Sound, and indeed it is. Enjoy Johnny Coles. Thank you. 
Our jazz feature this evening, a marvelous album by Johnny Coles. Little Johnny C, as he uh, was known. And of course, um, Johnny was one of the major voices of the, uh, of the trumpet. He had a long, long career in music. Um, he was born in Trenton, New Jersey, and raised in Philadelphia, and also uh, began performing uh, rhythm and blues, R&B, with Bull Moose Jackson, Eddie Cleanhead Vinson, and uh, Earl Bostic. And then his jazz profile was enhanced quite a bit when he uh, actually uh, joined James Moody's little organization and uh, began to be heard on, on records a lot more uh, advantageously. And it really wasn't until he made um, or performed with Gil Evans' orchestra on a very famous album which came out in the early 60s uh, called uh, Out of the Cool. And, of course, um, it became a classic and Johnny's solos on that were really um, the highlights of that album, I always thought. Uh, I look forward to his, uh, I mean, everybody was great on that album, uh, the Gil Evans album, but Johnny Cole's solos just seemed to stand out. And that put his name on the map for me, and uh, I became a fan of uh, Little Johnny C. And... This album was recorded in April of 1961 and unfortunately became an obscure collector's item, uh, which is really too bad because it's such a marvelous album, as you heard. And uh, it was his debut album as well. And it, was, uh, it came out on Epic Records, which was a subsidiary of Columbia Records, and it was entitled The Warm Sound. Incidentally, um, as I mentioned before, Johnny was born in Trenton, New Jersey, July the 3rd, 1926, and he died in his adopted hometown of Philadelphia, December 21st, 1997. He was 71 years old, died of cancer. But one of the great voices of the trumpet and um, just that sound that he had and um, very thoughtful concept um, and really, um, when you listen to Johnny Coles, he's almost instantly identifiable, so he definitely had his own distinctive, uh, sound and style. The pieces of music we heard, um, Johnny was, of course, uh, beautifully backed up, um, on most of the tunes by Kenny Drew on piano, the great New York pianist, and... Uh, also on bass, John Peck Morrison, and on drums, Charlie Persip. And we heard um, the opening tune was uh, an up-tempo uh, minor key blues called Room 3, written by Johnny Coles. Then we moved to uh, a great standard tune, Come Rain or Come Shine, written by Harold Arlen. And then we move to the first of uh, several Randy Weston compositions. And, of course, uh, the tune number three was a very famous Weston composition entitled High Fly. 
And then we moved to a um, very almost eerie uh, ballad uh, written by Randy called Pretty Strange. And uh, then we moved the tempo up again with a wonderful interpretation of If I Should Lose You. Now, Randy Weston was an important part of this date. He was called in to supervise uh, the interpretation and playing of his compositions. But Randy, of course, is a marvelous piano player, and uh, he, he got itchy fingers, and he asked Johnny if he could play on a couple of tunes. And, of course, Kenny Drew said, absolutely. So the final two tunes on, on the date, uh, Randy Weston takes over the piano chair. And um, so we follow uh, If I Should Lose You with a beautiful Randy Weston haunting ballad entitled Where. And the final tune, of course, is a delightful, um, uplifting Randy Weston composition called Babe's Blues. So that's it. Um, All of this was issued on Epic Records and produced by a very jazz-friendly producer by the name of Mike Berniker. He he put out a, a number of very, very fine albums on the Epic label. Some became very famous, and unfortunately this one became... Uh, not so famous, not because of the music, it just simply, that's the way it happened. And uh, it got kind of lost in the shuffle and became a, a collector's item. Um, it should have had a lot more distribution and uh, uh, should have been heard by a lot more people. But we heard it tonight, so I hope you enjoyed the warm sound. Little Johnny C., Johnny Coles. Trumpet player extraordinaire. We'll be back in a very few moments with some more music and just like to remind you that this is the jazz show on CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker and we shall return with some uh, very different music in a few moments right after these messages. Join Joe Dorschak and her comrades in stand-up comedy on August 13th at the Yuck Yucks Comedy Club as they attempt to make you laugh for a good cause, raising money for the residents for Independent Living Society. The lineup includes Megan Milton, Andrew Valance, Julia Stretch, Claire Pollock, Haley Beamish, and Byron Bertram with Katie Allen Humphreys as the headliner. The doors are at 7 with the show at 8 with all money going directly to the residents for Independent Living Society. For ticket information, go to yuckyucks.com slash Vancouver. Do groovy people watching amazing artists tell their artivism stories in dance, music, storytelling, visual art, celebrating our stunning Coast Salish land feel right to you? Vines Art Festival, August 8th to 19th, runs at parks throughout Vancouver like Trout Lake Park, Kitsilano Beach, Crab Park, Gravel Island, Roundhouse Community Center, and Strathcona Park. Watch Kim Mortal, Missy D, Immigrant Lessons, Pia Massey, and the Indigenous artists from Resilient Roots create a world you want to live in. Oh, and did I mention that it's all free? VinesArtFestival.com You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Nisiem, nisiaya, thikum kuinansem, haidjka siem, nisiem, nisiem. 
We're going to turn things over now to an incredible Hammond organist by the name of Roosevelt Willette. His nickname was Babyface, Babyface Willette. And he did two albums for Blue Note Records. He appeared as a sideman. Uh, it was saxophonist, alto saxophonist Lou Donaldson introduced um, Babyface to uh, Alfred Lyon, the head honcho of Blue Note Records. And Alfred was, of course, interested in uh, um, the bluesier side of jazz as well as uh, some of the more advanced uh, styles. And Babyface uh, was welcomed and made a couple of very, very fine albums for Blue Note Records. He was self-taught on organ, toured most of his life with gospel groups, and uh, um, all through the South with uh, uh, preachers, religious groups doing gospel and, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. And um, he, he was kind of uh, itinerant. Baby didn't read music at all. Uh, he just, he, he just, he learned how to play and, and uh, made some superb albums. And um, his style is pretty sophisticated for someone who really had very little musical education. And um, he eventually moved to uh, Chicago, and he passed away in the uh, in the early seventies. And uh, not a whole lot was known about his his life, but uh, an amazing musician, Babyface Willette. So we hear him on organ here, leading the band with the incredible, my favorite guitar player, I have to say it, Grant Green on guitar, and um, Ben Dixon on drums. And again, another obscure, powerful musician, I don't know whatever happened to him, by the name of Fred Jackson on tenor saxophone. And um, he could play. Um, Fred Jackson uh, spent most of his time touring with uh, um, R&B bands, and he toured with Wilson Pickett for many, many years. But uh, one hot tenor saxophone player. Anyway, we're going to hear three tunes from this album called Face to Face by Babyface Willette. Uh, we open with one called Swingin' at Sugar Ray's. Now, that refers not to Sugar Ray Leonard, but to the legendary Sugar Ray Robinson, one of the early greatest um, American fighters. And um, Sugar Ray was a jazz fan. Sugar Ray Robertson was a jazz fan, and he opened a bar called Sugar Ray's. And uh, Babyface performed there, as did many, many musicians. So uh, the first tune dedicated to Sugar Ray Robinson, Swingin' at Sugar Ray's. Then we're going to hear the title track, uh, another Babyface Willette composition called Face to Face. And the final tune is a minor key blues entitled Something Strange. So here then is the fascinating music of one of the great Hammond organists, Babyface Willette. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was the legendary Hammond organist Roosevelt Babyface Willette. And this was from his uh, second album on Blue Note Records that he did. He only did two under his own name. And this one was called Face to Face. And it featured Babyface on the Hammond organ, as I mentioned, the great Grant Green on guitar, Ben Dixon on drums. And an equally legendary musician, we don't know whatever happened to him, but his name was Fred Jackson on tenor saxophone. He did um, a single album for uh, Blue Note Records called Hootin' and Tootin', and uh, we featured that uh, sometime last year. It's, it's actually a superb album. It got a terrible rating in the jazz magazines, um, but it's uh, a very fine date, and it was Fred Jackson's only date uh, for Blue Note under his own name. And um, he just seemed to disappear from the scene. He worked with uh, Wilson Pickett for so many years, and that was about his only uh, kind of uh, public um, credibility other than appearing uh, occasionally on uh, as a sideman on some uh, um, bluesy jazz albums such as this one, Fred Jackson, tenor saxophone. So, we heard three tunes from this uh, album, Face to Face. We heard Swingin' It, Sugar Rays. Uh, all of them were composed by Babyface baby Willette, by the way. Swingin' It, Sugar Rays, and then the title track was next, Face to Face. And the third tune was a minor key blues entitled Something Strange. The legendary Babyface Willette. We shall return right after these messages and just like to remind you that you are listening to the jazz show the bc day edition of the jazz show on citr fm 101.9 or on your computer www.citr.ca my name's gavin walker and we shall return with some more great music this time by someone who lives here Corey weeds and a wonderful small band uh, album uh, with some really uh, prominent New York people and great local musicians all together in this one band. And it's from an album called Explosion. We're going to uh, hear a few tracks from that uh, recording, which came out on Cellar Live not too long ago. So stay tuned. <laughs> 
Hello, hello, hello. My name is Russian Tim and I'm here to tell you about Rocket from Russia Fest, which will take place on August 16, 17 and 18 at the Astoria. This festival is the celebration of great local scene which we have in the city. Rocket from Russia Fest features 18 great local bands, including performances by the Hextals, 20th year anniversary show, Needles and Pins, Cambridge will play a reunion show, Yubi Gideon, The Greatest Sons, Jesse Leborda and my band Russian Team and Pavel Mores. Rocket from Russia Fest, three days of life, local, amazing music. August 16, 17 and 18 at the Astoria. Three day passes and individual night tickets available on showpass.com. This is gonna be a great success. CITR and Discorder. But are you a true friend? Get a Friends of CITR and Discorder card for $20 for discounts on Main Street at Anti Social Skateboard Shop, Biltmore Cabaret, Red Cat Records, Lucky Comics, The Wallflower Modern Diner, Neptune Records, The Rag Machine, The Regional Assembly of Text, and so many more. was a little bit of shock and awe at the uh, forecast here, but it's really great, uh, and it's pleasant shock and awe. <laughs> Tonight is clear with a low of 18. Um, all week is going to be pretty well to the weekend, actually, uh, is going to be sunny, uh, with temperatures between 18 and 19 at the low end, and highs between... Uh, depending on where you are, uh, 26 up to 32, um, I guess away from the water, obviously. And that's going to be for tomorrow, which is Tuesday, Wednesday, um, Thursday, and Friday. And then um, basically the weekend will be pleasant as well. It'll be a mix of sun and cloud uh, with slightly cooler temperatures, um, lows down to about 15 and highs uh, between 23 and 24 for uh, Saturday and Sunday. So that is basically the weather picture. So get out and enjoy it. This is uh, 
Uh, it's really nice. I mean, some can some people might consider it a bit of a heat wave, but it's um, it doesn't seem as bad as the one or or as hot as the one that uh, we just came through. So there you go. <laughs> okay, that's the weather picture. We're going to get back to music this time with uh, Corey Weeds, and of course, as you know, Corey Weeds runs. Um, he, he's a man of so many parts. He's a great musician, a wonderful saxophone player. Um, he's an organizer. He programs uh, all the music at uh, Frankie's, uh, which, of course, is one of Vancouver's leading jazz clubs down on, uh, on Beatty Street. And I mention Frankie's quite often. Um, Corey does all the music down there, and he performs there quite often as well. Uh, he's a very busy man, and uh, he flies all over the place as well to do recordings and all sorts of things, and he certainly keeps his musical chops up. This album was a bit of a labor of love for Corey because um, he grew up uh, listening to some of the um, great recordings by uh, Gene Ammons and Eddie Lockjaw Davis uh, when they recorded with Oliver Nelson's um, big band, and uh, Lockjaw Davis made a great album, um, uh, and so did Gene Ammons and other musicians as well. Um, and the bands weren't that accompanied them um, weren't really big bands. Big bands are 17, 18 pieces. These were like nine, 10 piece bands, and uh, provided a backdrop for the soloist, basically. And um, Corey kind of was impressed with that idea, and he decided to put together a big little band or a little big band, whatever you want. And he um, brought in some musicians from, uh, that he knows very well from, from New York City as well as some of the most prominent Canadian musicians as well uh, from different parts of Canada and, of course, here uh, in Vancouver. So the band consists of Corey on tenor saxophone, P.J. Perry on alto saxophone. P.J. lives in Edmonton, and of course he's one of the finest voices of the alto saxophone. Steve Caldestat on tenor saxophone. From New York, Gary Smulian. He is definitely the leading baritone saxophone player today. Nobody better. And uh, Rod Murray on trombone. Again, from New York, the great Steve Davis on trombone. On trumpet, an another New Yorker, Joe Magnarelli, um, a great voice on trumpet. And also uh, Chris Davis from here um, is playing uh, in the trumpet section as well. The rhythm section, Chris Jestrin on piano, Paul Rushka on bass, and Jesse Cahill on drums. And Jill Townsend was brought in to conduct the orchestra. A lot of the arrangements here are by Jill's husband, Bill Kuhn. And, of course, uh, as you know, he's a wonderful guitarist, but he's also an arranger, composer, and um, very, very adept at that. So he was brought in to do the, the arrangements. We're going to hear some tunes. The first one is a tune by one of Corey's favorite tenor saxophonists. That's Hank Mobley's tune. And we're going to hear East of the Village. Then we're going to hear a tune that was uh, recorded by Stanley Turrentine and a small band. And uh, it's, a, it's actually a more obscure standard tune, uh, but it's called My Girl is Just Enough Woman for Me. 
and uh, Stanley made a, a very famous arrangement of that tune. So again, um, Bill Kuhn did the arrangements on, uh, well, all of these tunes we're going to hear. We're going to hear three of them. The third tune is written by the great trumpeter Kenny Dorham, and it's called KD's Motion. And um, I'll let you know who the soloists are after we hear the music. So this is the Corey Weeds Little Big Band. The album is available on Cellar Live, and it's called Explosion. And we begin with East of the Village by Hank Mobley. Thank you. 
And that was from an album called Explosion. And that was the Corey Weed's Little Big Band. And we heard a whole bunch of arrangements. And, of course, um, the people involved, uh, Corey, of course, on tenor saxophone, on alto saxophone, P.J. Perry, um, on the other tenor saxophone, Steve Caldestat, and on baritone saxophone, Gary Smulian from New York, on trombones, Rod Murray from here, and Steve Davis from New York on trombones, Joe Magnarelli on trumpet from New York, and Chris Davis, who lives here on trumpet. The rhythm section, Chris Jestrin on piano, Paul Rushka on bass, and Jesse Cahill on drums. And it reads like a, well, the international musicians, but uh, of course the uh, resident musicians reads like a who's who. The conductor of the orchestra was Jill Townsend, and the three tunes we heard were all arranged by her husband, uh, guitarist Bill Kuhn, who is, of course, uh, adept at uh, arrangements for um, this type of band. And we heard uh, the first tune was uh, entitled East of the Village, and it was written by the great Hank Mobley, of course, who Corey Weeds admires, I think, more than any other saxophone player or tenor saxophone player. And, of course, that featured Corey on tenor saxophone and Joe Magnarelli on trumpet. The second tune was uh, made famous by... uh, Stanley Turrentine and um, a big band, and he recorded this tune many years ago. It's kind of an obscure standard, but the title is My Girl is Just Enough Woman for Me. And uh, Stanley made a a thing of this tune, and of course, uh, Corey decided to re-record that tune, featured himself on tenor saxophone playing the lead, and uh, some nice tasty piano in there by Chris Jestrin. The final tune, was uh, written by trumpeter Kenny Dorham and called KD's Motion, and that featured an astounding alto saxophone solo by the one and only P.J. Perry, and Corey followed him on tenor saxophone, and uh, the rest of the tune was the rest of the tune. So this is from a Cellar Live album called Explosion, and it features the little big band led by Corey Weeds, and it's full of... uh, as I said, resident musicians and uh, guests from uh, the Big Apple in New York City. We are going to uh, change the pace and play you a piece of music I've always liked by the great, late Kenny Wheeler. Kenny was born, um, actually, in, uh, in Toronto, And rather than move to the United States, he moved to England. It was much easier because Canada being um, a former (laughs) British colony and, of course, a member of the Commonwealth, uh, it was easier for him to uh, emigrate to England and establish himself there, which he did. And uh, but he always maintained his ties with uh, with with Canada. And, of course, Kenny Wheeler became internationally known, one of the great voices of the trumpet and the flugelhorn. This is uh, from an album called Double Double U, and it features all Kenny Wheeler compositions, and they're always fascinating, including the one we're going to hear right now called Foxy Trot. And it features this 
incredible hand-picked band, Kenny Wheeler on trumpet and flugelhorn, Mike Brecker, Michael Brecker on tenor saxophone, John Taylor, one of the great British pianists, uh, and one of the great British bass players, Dave Holland, and on drums, Jack DeJanette. So here then from Double W is Foxy Trot.
fascinating study in music. Kenny Wheeler's composition called Foxy Trot, and that's from his album Double Double U, with Michael Brecker on tenor saxophone, the great John Taylor, the late great John Taylor on piano, David Holland on bass, and Jack DeJanette on drums. And of course, Canadian-born Kenny Wheeler on trumpet, and an amazing musician, as I mentioned before, uh, went to England instead of uh, going to the United States. It's pretty difficult to, uh, for an independent musician, uh, unless you're part of a, a, a famous band and get sponsored and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty difficult to emigrate to the United States and, uh, and work. It's always been that way. It's much easier for Americans to come to Canada uh, somehow, but uh, very difficult for musicians to go down to the States without a whole bunch of all kinds of stuff. So Kenny, um, when he thought about um, leaving uh, the country, he, uh, he went to Britain instead and established himself over there and, of course, became internationally known. Kenny Wheeler, wonderful musician, incredible composer, and uh, he's missed. And Kenny Wheeler. All right. Here is a little band led by the late, great tenor saxophonist, alto saxophonist, James Moody. Of course, Moody played all instruments. He played. He's a beautiful flute player, um, an alto saxophonist, tenor saxophonist, uh, an amazing musician, and very, very dedicated. And one of the one of the nicest people you could ever meet. Anyway, for years, um, James Moody uh, led a very fine little band, and. Um, they played for dances. They, they had an R&B book where they played, you know, funky, danceable R&B tunes. And then in other settings, they, they pulled out the jazz book and, and, uh, and played all these great jazz tunes for uh, people that like to, uh, you know, concertize and, and, and sit and listen. And uh, quite an adaptable little band. And uh, this particular edition was recorded uh, in Chicago in 1959. And it featured uh, James on, we're going to hear him on alto and tenor saxophone um, on, on two pieces from this band. And our jazz feature artist um, that we spotlight, spotlighted earlier this evening, Johnny Coles on, on trumpet. And Tommy McIntosh, who was the chief arranger for the band um, on trombone. And one of my dearest friends ever, um, he was a, a mentor to me, uh, a teacher, of, um, a spiritual teacher, and also a saxophone teacher. He taught me, uh, gave me many pointers on the flute as well. And I'm talking about the late, great Musa Kalim. And he plays baritone saxophone in the band. And he was part of uh, the Moody organization for many years. Great, great musician, passed away uh, quite a number of years ago, and I miss him dearly. Musa Kalim is heard on baritone saxophone, on piano, Gene Key, on bass, John Latham, and on drums, Clarence Johnson. We're going to hear two tunes uh, from this uh, album, 
called simply James Moody. Uh, we're going to hear a version of Clifford Brown's great composition called Dahoud, played by the band. And then we're going to hear a Gene Key original uh, based on the blues called RBQ. And uh, everybody in the band gets solos uh, on these tunes as well. So we'll begin with Dahoud by Clifford Brown. Thank you. 
We heard a couple of tunes from a rather rare album which came out on Argo Records. It was recorded in Chicago in 1959 with James Moody's little band. And, of course, Mr. Moody playing alto saxophone on the first tune and tenor saxophone on the second tune. One of the great players of uh, that those instruments. And he was also an incredible flute player as well. James Moody. And uh, all the people involved here, um, Johnny Coles, Little Johnny C., uh, who was our jazz feature artist tonight on trumpet, Tommy McIntosh on trombone, who was the band's chief arranger, and my old friend and colleague, the great late Musa Kalim on baritone saxophone, Gene Key on piano, John Latham on bass, and Clarence Johnson on drums. And we heard two tunes. The first one was Clifford Brown's great composition called Dahoud. And the second tune was uh, a blues written by the pianist uh, in the band, Gene Key. He wrote that tune. It was arranged by uh, Tommy McIntosh called R.B.Q. And featured uh, both of those tunes featured uh, all, uh, all the players in the band as soloists. One of the great... Uh, Hammond organists. We heard one earlier this evening who was a little more obscure. Uh, I'm talking about Babyface Willette. We heard him uh, quite extensively earlier this evening, but this gentleman is a lot better known, and he is known as one of the more modern organists. I'm talking about Larry Young. But Larry Young began his career basically as a Jimmy Smith-style organist. And we're going to hear um, an album or a couple of tunes from an album recorded in 1960. And it features a very young Larry (laughs) Young on on, uh, organ with Thornell Schwartz on guitar and uh, Jimmy Smith, uh, no relation to the organist Jimmy Smith, the drummer Jimmy Smith on, on drums, of course. And we're going to hear two tunes. Um, and uh, this was uh, one of Larry Young's first albums under his own name. It was recorded for Prestige Records, and um, it was called Testifying. Prestige New Jazz Records, that's really. Uh, Testifying was the uh, name of the album. And we're going to hear some Thorny Blues. That's the first tune written by Larry Young. Or, or actually written by Thornell Schwartz, of course. That's hence the title, some Thorny Blues. And the second tune is a J.J. Johnson staple um, called We Dot. So here then is some very early Larry Young. Thank you. 
That was 20-year-old Larry Young. This is from a very early album uh, by Larry. Um, it came out on Prestige New Jazz called Testifying. And we heard uh, Larry um, on Hammond organ, Larry Young Jr., and Thornell Schwartz on guitar, and Jimmy Smith on drums. No relation, of course, to the organist uh, of the same name. Jimmy spells, uh, the drummer spells his name J-I-M-M-I-E. So I guess that separates him from uh, the, the better-known organist Jimmy Smith. Anyway, uh, Larry Young, 20 years old, amazing. And, of course, Larry went on to um, completely uh, advance his style over the next few years. And, of course, he became one of the leading exponents of uh, a very modern concept of the Hammond organ and um, a true pioneer. And, of course, we lost Larry. Uh, he, was, he was quite young when he, uh, when he passed away. So we heard two tunes. The first one was a blues written by or created by guitarist Thornell Schwartz, and it's called Some Thorny Blues of course. And the second tune was a J.J. Johnson uh, uh, tune entitled We Dot. And uh, both those tunes from this album, Testifying. We're going to change the pace a little bit. This is from a fairly obscure album recorded on Valentine's Day in San Francisco by Paul Desmond. And under his own name, uh, for Fantasy Records. He didn't do a lot of, in those days, he didn't do uh, hardly any recordings under his own name. And this was one of the early ones. And he picked as his partner on the front line a multi-instrumentalist by the name of Don Elliott. And Don Elliott played a whole variety of instruments, um, vibraphone, piano, drums, um, trumpet, trombone, but he played an instrument called the mellophone, which was uh, kind of a simplified French horn. And the sound of the mellophone is kind of between a valve trombone and a French horn, <laughs> if you can imagine. Anyway, uh, that's what Mr. Elliot is going to play on this uh, date with Paul Desmond on alto saxophone. On bass, um, Norman Bates, uh, not the guy in Psycho. This is the, the nice guy, uh, <laughs> the bass player. Um, and on drums, Joe Dodge. And we're going to hear two tunes. First one is a Jerome Kern tune that Desmond often played with Dave Brubeck, and they do their own arrangement of Look for the Silver Lining. And the second tune is titled by Desmond. It's a bit of a pun. He calls it Sacre Blues. Of course, the old Fre French expression, Sacre Bleu, right. Sacre Blues, he calls it, because Desmond opens the tune with a quote from Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, Sacre de Printemps. Oui? Okay. There's the reference. Desmond was a very witty guy, by the way. Not only one of the leading voices of the alto saxophone. 
Anyway, here are these two tunes. We begin with uh, Look for the Silver Lining. Paul Desmond on alto saxophone and Don Elliott on mellophone with Norman Bates on bass and Joe Dodge on drums. Thank you. 
That was from a fairly rare album by the late, great Paul Desmond, one of the most individual voices of the alto saxophone, obviously, with Don Elliott on mellophone and Norman Bates on bass and Joe Dodge on drums. And all of this was recorded on Valentine's Day in 1956 in the wonderful city of San Francisco for Fantasy Records, the Paul Desmond Quartet, one of the very few albums he did under uh, his own name during this early period because, of course, he was a member of Dave Brubeck's uh, quartet and uh, did very little recording on his own, and this was one of them. So we heard two tunes. We heard the old standard Look for the Silver Lining by Jerome Kern. And then we heard an original based on the blues by Paul Desmond entitled Sacra Blues. We're going to close with the blues. We're not going to leave the blues alone here. We're going to close the show with the blues. And this was written by Avery Parrish, one of the great piano players who wrote this tune, this is his creation, and it will be recreated uh, on this um, version that we're going to hear, but Avery wrote it for the uh, Erskine Hawkins Orchestra, and it became a huge, huge hit um, in pre-rock and roll days, actually in the, in the early 40s. And um, when black people were... Uh, when the polite term for black people back in the 40s was Negro, they used to refer to this tune as the Negro National Anthem. <laughs> After Hours was the name of the uh, piece and written by Avery Parrish. So it's going to be recreated here. Um, Ray Bryant on piano does a wonderful job doing that. Uh, with Brother Tommy on bass and Charlie Persip on drums. But the horn players, Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet, Sonny Stitt on tenor saxophone, and Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone. An amazing, amazing album. So we're going to hear this tune after hours.
Well, I think that's a fitting way to end this edition of The Jazz Show. That was Avery Parrish's After Hours, of course, which became a, a piece of music that every jazz piano player had to learn. And, uh, of course, Ray Bryant did a wonderful job at the beginning uh, playing the um, literally uh, what Avery Parrish uh, set down. And uh, we heard Tommy Bryant on bass and Charlie Persip on drums. And the horn players, while well, we heard, of course, Dizzy Gillespie first soloing on tightly muted trumpet, Sonny Rollins followed, and he was followed by Sonny Stitt. So this was from a very famous album called Sunny Side Up, which featured, of course, the leader, Dizzy Gillespie, with the two Sonnies, Rollins and Stitt, with all the other people I mentioned. Ray Bryant on piano, Tommy Bryant, his brother, on bass, and Charlie Persip on drums. After Hours. That's it for another edition of The Jazz Show. It's been the BC Day edition. I certainly hope you enjoyed a holiday. And, of course, everybody uh, is back on track tomorrow. The weather's going to be just absolutely gorgeous. And uh, our summer continues, and it's going to continue all week. So I'll certainly hope you get out there and enjoy it. Thank you very much for being out there. Uh, on behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, The Jazz Show, and radio station CITR. 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Take care, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Next Monday at 9 p.m., right here on this station. Bye-bye. Do-ba-dee-oo, 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 do-ba-dee-oo.